0: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD and anxiety and anxiety spectrum disorders and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I am a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety uh, disorders. So, um, for those of you who are new, this is a question and answer based podcast. If you have a question, if you uh, have ever said to yourself, "Hmm." I would. I have all these questions about anxiety and how to treat it, and what's going on with my thoughts. And my therapist keeps talking about about ERP, but it sounds really scary. And I just want a little bit of um, maybe uh, uh, some other advice or guidance or thoughts. Or my therapist has no idea how to treat OCD, um, and I, I, I just want to ask someone. Or I feel like I can't tell. Anybody about these, and I just want to ask them uh, privately but in a uh, a, a, a medium that is going to be saved on the internet for the rest of time and shot out into space. Um, If those those questions have run across your mind, this is your podcast. So you can send a question in to me. If you go to fearcastpodcast.com, click on the submit a question link, you can send me a message. It will be an email to me. Now, I've mentioned this before. I ask for your real name, your real email address, and then the fake name that you want me to say, and it can be pretty much anything. If it's offensive, I'm probably going to change it, but um, I don't think it's ever really happened. But if, if, it, if that were the case, I would change it. Point is, um, you can have as much anonymity as you would like in your question. No one's going to know. Same thing for audio questions. So I've mentioned audio questions in the past. If you uh, would like to have your question answered ASAP, go over to Instagram or you can go, you can send me a a recorded message, record it on your phone, go to the memos app and email the, the audio to questions at Fearcast podcast. Send me a uh, a email or say, (laughs) take that. This is what happens when you down a bunch of coffee and then go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to record myself professionally, and hope for the best. Anyways, I'm going to slow it on down. All right. So you can record your question, upload it to the Google box and uh, to each Google Drive, and you can share that with me, which has happened just today. Now, I'm not going to be answering that question because I want to get another person on it. So the person who has asked the question about the uh, trauma-informed treatment for ERP, I want to get someone who specializes in that. I have a ton of thoughts on it myself, but I, I'd love to wrangle in someone who that's that, That's what they do so I'm gonna I, I've, I've I have my feelers out there I'm gonna get that one answered ASAP but if you have a question that you would like answered I will uh, go send me an audio go to Instagram I'm fearcast podcast over there send me a DM and record your question there it will go to the top of the list so this is the exception I'm not going to do that audio question because I want to get an authority in to talk about it um no better than perhaps I would. Um, I think I would do a pretty good job. I've certainly worked with folks who have had past trauma. The question is kind of about, you know, what do you do with, how do you do ERP when the ERP kind of overlaps with a previous trauma? Like, you know, we don't want to re-trigger somebody, but we also want to do the exposure. We don't want to avoid, but we want to face it. You get the idea. It's sensitive, it's sticky, but it's doable. I want to say it's doable, and I want to assure you it is. So we'll talk about that on hopefully the next episode. I've got. uh, I'm I'm already chatting with some folks to try to get that going. All right. Before I jump into the the two other questions, and I'm going to read these questions. uh, These are questions that were sent in over at Um, fearcastpodcast.com. I'm I'm saying this announcement here. I'm going to also put a video in together, and I'm going to talk about this is my anxiety. Um, I'm owning it. This is my anxiety uh, video. But um, I'm going to do a new series that has nothing to do with OCD. The series is going to focus on body focused repetitive behaviors. so that's hair pulling, compulsive hair pulling, compulsive skin picking, that sort of stuff um, the reason I'm doing it and the reason I want to do it uh, on I'm going to do it on Instagram I'm going to be doing it through the reels I'm going to be doing it in that medium because I want it to be visual because BFRBs have to do with the things that you know are, are visual right things that you're seeing for the most part and I'm going to be doing it because I've been struggling with biting my nails, biting my cuticles, picking up my stupid fingers for my pretty much for most of my life. And I'll share much more about that ongoing. But I am to be going through a book, um, uh, a, a fantastic book that talks about a method for treating hair pulling and skin picking or other just body focused repetitive behaviors. And I'm going to be doing the program and I'm going to be talking about what my process has been like, talking about the way that you can go about doing it, um, and uh, sharing any insights, struggles that I'm having because I can't imagine, even though I'm a, th- even though I'm a therapist, I'm going to fail, and I expect that, and I want to talk about it and and share that failing is possible along with um, progress and recovery. So I, you will see more about that. That will be on the Instagrams. But today I'm going to be going over a couple of OCD related questions and why don't we just launch on into this. Oh, I want to say this more about the BFRB thing. If you have if you have questions about BFRBs, you can share them with me over at Instagram. If you have, um, if if you want to uh, add some thoughts, add some insights, comment on the videos. Uh, I want this to be kind of a you know kind of like the podcast in a sense of being a place that people can feel like they are seen, that their struggles aren't minimized, that they are acknowledged, and that um, uh, we're all in this together. So hopefully, that's been the attitude that I've fostered uh through the podcast um I'm going to put a period on that end of that that sentence hopefully that has been the attitude that I fostered here on the podcast all right let's jump into the questions so I'm going to go over two questions today um so the first one comes from Lexi Lexi says How to deal with S-O-O-C-D, which is short for sexual orientation OCD, this used to be called H-O-C-D or homosexual OCD um, or homosexuality OCD or heterosexuality, either way. Um, We now call it S-O-O-C-D, sexual orientation OCD, it's broader. Anyways, How to deal with S-O-O-C-D, fear of entering a relationship with with the preferred gender only to realize uh, you are a different sexuality okay so lexi great question it's a great and excuse me in my practice i've absolutely dealt with folks and worked with folks who have this concern this uh, this uh intrusive thought this worry this fear serves as an obstacle for someone entering into a relationship with someone of their preferred gender um uh, it, to that end a lot of people will say I can't start a relationship until I have my OCD whatever theme that is until I have this handled until I have this fixed the problem is is OCD still shows up in relationships OCD will definitely show up within relationships it is the way that you think it is the it is if we if we say we're going to protect something and this is special and unique and we can't mess with that Ooh, we're just sending a a, 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 a a gilded invitation to anxiety to wrap itself all the way around it and say, this is mine now. So, dating, jobs, uh, n- new job, moving any big life choice, any small life choice, if we say this is the most important thing to me, we should expect anxiety is likely to grab onto it or try to show up because it is your brain's natural way of saying, how do I protect this thing? So to your question, Lexi, how to deal with SOCD fear of entering a relationship with a preferred gender. So you're kind of saying, all right, what if I enter this relationship? I start a relationship with someone of my preferred gender and I go into it and, oh no, I discover that I'm actually gay or bisexual or fill in the blank, anything other than heterosexual, if that is your preferred gender. And I'm, I'm obviously putting out there my, I, I What am I trying to say? My biases, whatever it might be, how, whatever preferred gender, I'm just going to backpedal out of that and make it sound super awkward. Y'all know what I'm saying, right? Okay. What do you do? First, you go into the relationship boldly, go into it with confidence, go into it with hope and excitement and interest and openness to that relationship. You go into that relationship as if S-O-O-C-D was not, or no, you go into it as if S-O-O-C-D did not exist. Because it's trying to say, you need to worry about this. You need to avoid the relationship. You need to ruminate about how you're going to fix it, solve it, avoid it, make sure it's going to be okay. Certainly there are exposures you can do, and I'll talk about those here briefly. But, my encouragement for you, Lexi, would be if there is someone that you are interested in, ask them out. Go out on a date. Pursue that relationship in earnest, the way that you, quote, typically would, or the way that you had prior to SOOCD attacking it. Or go into it as if you're just building a new friendship. And if you like the person, well, you go out on another, another date. And if you keep liking that person, you just keep going out with them. The fear then is, well, what if the bottom drops out and all of a sudden I discover this truth in the future? Okay. We leave that to future you. That, as I've said before, is future you's problem, not current you. Current you is the uh, is of the sexuality that you've identified as. You're saying, well, what if I become this or discover this or uh, realize this, or it is, you know, I change, right? Well, that's future use problem. What if you start a job and then realize you don't really like the job? What if you buy a car and realize after a while, you don't really like that car? What if you plant a tree in your front yard? And as it's growing in your front yard, you realize "Ah, you kind of wish it was a different kind of tree. Well, What if you also buy that car and you realize, yeah, you love that car? What if you plant that tree and 10 years down the line you go, still freaking love this tree? You get what I'm saying? It's we don't know what the future is going to hold. So, we leave the future up to the future, and we redirect back to the relationship as if SOOCD had no impact on you and we leave the rumination and the checking and the evaluation over to the future. Now, this is obviously easier said than done, and you can practice tolerating the thought of this story scripting is going to be fantastic write that story out as if you got into this relationship and you discovered that you are not um, uh, y- you are not the sexuality that you have identified as and you have to break up and everything changes in your life and everything is ruined and you don't know yourself and you discover all these other things about yourself that are not uh, what you thought they were and did you even know yourself in the first place and you spend the rest of your life trying to figure yourself out and you never figure your yourself out. And then you reread it and you let that thought be there and you say, this is a thought, and I'm going to ride that wave of discomfort. It's a scary thought. It's an uncomfortable thought, but it's not a present based reality. It is a future based event that I have no control over. And that's a future based event that I have no control over. And we'll see what happens. That is what that's dread hope is that future-based event that I have no control over and that I want. They're so similar, but leave it up to the future and say, I'm going to go into this relationship and I'm going to see what happens, but I'm I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm going to push into it. So um, Lexi, I know that was a short answer to a short question. And there's a lot within that, but I, I want to encourage you, if there is some, don't go into a relationship just because you're trying to overcome your OCD. If you find a relationship that you like, all right, pursue it, pursue it earnestly, pursue it with excitement enjoy, And know that OCD is going to try to say, hey, you need to know, figure this out. You need to ruminate. What if this terrible thing happens? And you're going to say, yeah, 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 it might, it might. And I'm going to go out on this date again. And I'm going to text him again or her, whoever I'm going to text him again. That's the point. Go into it. All right. So I'm going to shift on into the next question. The next question comes from Rachel. Rachel says, I deal with religious and moral scrupulosity and some other OCD fears. And I have, um, I have these new intrusive thoughts surrounding money that are leading to OCD fueled thoughts. Basically, um, I fear that, uh, oh, uh, oh, basically, uh, I fear that by not giving enough to charity, I'm inadvertently murdering people who die of hunger while I, quote, hoard money, making me a murderer. On the flip side, I believe I need to save aggressively, or I myself and my potential future family will live in poverty. Both these fears are two sides of the same coin and both lead to the feeling that I'm a bad person and this is inadvert- and, uh, and that it's inadvertently murdering people and that I need to, quote, save society by disappearing or dying. I'm not sure if this is a gross manifestation of my scrupulosity or just a weird form of anxiety. Spoiler, it's, it's probably scroop. Anyways, um, she goes on to say, <clears throat> I try to treat these thoughts as, quote, intrusive. But each time I find myself, or each time I, each time I fight myself fighting them, because I fear that if I don't think these thoughts, I will continue living and and thereby causing harm to others, confirming or confirming that I'm no risk to, of, of harm to myself. I just want, uh, or confirming I just, oh, uh, here she goes, confirming that I am uh, no risk of harm to myself, I'm just hoping you might have some insight, as I have uh, uh, related to so many of your episodes so far, and then she specifically says, uh, the one about fear of getting fired, emetophobia, and sexual sexuality, OCD. All right, as I fumble aggressively uh, through that question, Rachel. All right, and there's more of that coffee that is probably the problem. Okay. Rachel, so much within that. And thank you for sending that in. And I'm really glad that you, you have found other episodes to be helpful. It's funny that you mentioned the fear of getting fired episode. I think that was like my second episode or something like that. And I I don't even know the audio quality if I made any sense then. But either way, I'm hoping it sounds like it helped at least a little bit. Um, but I've bounced all over. It's so funny how that this podcast has been going on for so long. My goodness. All right but you just keep going and you, you folks out there keep sending in questions and I'm going to keep answering these questions until I run out. So we will see how it all works. All right. So, ah, Rachel, this question is so frustrating. I can't imagine how frustrating it is for you to live it. OCD has backed you up into a corner because it's the damned if you do and damned if you don't. And I, I want to address the thought about kind of self harm or that fear of like, like dying or disappearing. So, I hear this a lot, especially when I'm doing assessments. You know, whenever you do an assessment with someone, you're going to ask whether or not they have thoughts of hurting themselves or killing themselves, and um, and a lot of times I hear folks will they say, you know, that I just want to disappear. Now, some now for a therapist, that's going to you know perk up your ears, and a lot of this, what I'm going to say, it, you know, it, it, it there is some there's some clinical intuition that's going on and also um, some good assessment going on that's individualized per that person in front of you. But sometimes when I hear people who are just, just overwhelmed by their anxiety, they'll say, I just want to disappear. What they're ultimately saying is, I just want this to end, however it might be. Sometimes people with OCD will get an intrusive thought of, maybe I should just kill myself. Now, I take that seriously, as everybody should, if there are these thoughts, you talk about them with a therapist and talk about them, hopefully, if you can with a therapist who understands OCD, and can hear the fullness of your conversation, because perhaps what you're saying is, I I don't, I don't, I don't want to die, because I have a lot of other stuff to live for. But I want to get rid of this obsession. And my brain has said one of the ways to get rid of my obsession is to die. Because if I'm dead, I will no longer have this obsession. It can kind of be seen as a problem solving mechanism, but ultimately not because they, they genuinely want to kill themselves, but because they kind of want this feeling to end. And and I, I, I appreciate Rachel that you that you added that little bit. Um, but for anyone out there who's had this obsession and has this thought, check it out with a therapist. Um talk to someone about it and, and, you know, really consider what that might look like for you. Is it anxiety related or is there genuine suicidal thought going on? So um, I just want to address that at the top here. And, um, and I could spend another hour talking about the uh, intricacies of it, but I, I shan't today, Rachel and everybody else. All right. So you're talking about this, these two sides that have kind of tied you in, right? On the one hand, you need to give so much to charity, otherwise you are responsible for killing people who need that money. The flip side, you need to hoard as much as you can, you need to save, otherwise you are going to be responsible for the, the harm or the death of the malnutrition, or the, whatever it might be, for the people that you love, your family. right? It's. It, I, I heard, there's a theme there, right? This hyper responsibility that all of the, the the safety of everybody in the world, where you said you need to save society, the, the the health and safety and future all resides on you. That's overwhelming, that's exhausting, that's completely irrational. There's there is there is no way that you could. There's no way that you have the power to control this health and safety of everybody, no matter what you do. Me too. All we can do is control our skin inward. And we can't even do that very well, right? It can be helpful in situations like this really to be aware of when this thought is showing up for you, when this pattern starts to be there and starts to creep in, for you to call it out for what it is. I really like, and in this instance, it may be really helpful, um, there's a, an exercise from from ACT, and I've referenced this before, It's 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 um, it's kind of like naming the story, right? So every movie has a title, every episode of every TV show has a title. And when you say the title, you know what it is, right? So if I say Toy Story, for the most part, people are going to know what movie that is, especially if you've seen it a bunch of times. Frozen, I've, I only see children's movies these days. Moana, I've seen that a thousand times. But in that, how about this? Shawshank Redemption, Airplane, um, Blazing Saddles. All right. Those are also not Disney movies nor child-friendly, but... You know what that movie is when you say it. Every Friends episode started with the one with blank. And the idea is is that when you see that title, then you have this association that you know where that story is, you know what it's doing, you know the different plot points in it, and you can decide whether or not you want to see it based on the title. You've seen this story a bajillion times in your head. You fought yourself with it. You fought yourself having it. You fought yourself fighting with it. Jump to the end. You've seen it. You know how it goes. So instead, when this thought starts to show up, give it a title. Maybe this is. Um, maybe this is um, inadvertent murderer. Maybe that's the story title. Maybe it's. I guess I'm going to kill everyone. The idea is you're going to say what the title is, but we're going to keep moving. You're going to keep moving instead of saying, oh, I need to, I need to watch this movie because maybe, maybe it's different this time. Maybe this time I watch Shawshank Redemption. Maybe it's going to be different. Maybe he doesn't get out of jail. Spoiler, spoiler, he gets out of jail. Um, Star Wars, maybe, maybe Luke actually isn't, um, Darth Vader's son, spoiler, um, Maybe it's going to be different. It's, it's never going to be different. It's going to be the same every single time. Maybe this time the robots aren't going to fight the humans. I don't know. Um, it, that's a, I suppose, Star Wars reference. Anyways, maybe they're not going to use lightsabers this time. No, they're always going to use lightsabers your story is going to be the same. What we're trying to do through response prevention is holding back, pulling back on your interaction with this and your engagement in hyper responsibility activities. Now to that end, making a list of all the things that you do that lead to, or that are a manifestation of your hyper responsibility. And that may be, um, that may be saving in particular areas that may be giving in particular areas. In situations like this, it can also be helpful to talk with a a, a partner, a friend, a therapist, a trusted person about your giving practices. If you have, and this this is kind of the mix, I could simply just say, for a period of time you're not going to give, right? But The problem is that also taps into that other side of hoarding, right? we're finding one thing you can do is to find a number that you're going to decide is a good number to give. Now it's a good number because it's also going to be an uncomfortable number. It's going to be too much yet not enough. It's going to be this place where you're going to decide that this is the number that you're going to give. And your brain's going to say, you're giving way too much. And at other times it's going to say, you need to give so much more. And either way you're going to say, well, then I guess some people are going to die, and it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel—you might feel uncomfortable with me saying that. But you're going to give that number and not question it, not not judge it, not reevaluate it, or jump into the mix, or apologize for it. That's the number now given if you are in my office and sitting on my couch, we might have a different strategy. But these are concepts that you can start to think about maybe chat with your therapist. So consider whether or not there is that number that would be good for you, maybe for a period of time, you don't give it all. And you sit with that possibility that you're doing that to hurt people or another alternative is give that money to a charity that you don't endorse give that money instead of buying or donating to a charity, buy something frivolous for yourself, not something that's gonna go towards your family or a loved one or some good cause, you're just going to spend that money on Starbucks because you, you know, it's coming into winter and you're get you are engaging in that, that PSL, that pumpkin spice life. You're getting into it. Uh, you're going to buy yourself some new Uggs and some leggings and a little hat. And you're just going to have pumpkin spice lattes all the time. And you know what? You're going to Instagram a, a lot. And by the way, you're also going to uh, tag and follow Fearcast podcast because I want to see him too. And then when that thought shows up that says, oh, no, I'm doing this wrong and there are people that are dying, you're going to say, hashtag murderer, hashtag, um, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, killed by selfishness, hashtag uh, responsible who? I don't know. I'm making stuff up now. Anyways, you kind of get the idea. Lean into this. I also love that idea. This is a silly thing that I would do with somebody is, you know, every time, every time you do, you do a purchase or every time you don't donate, you say, good, someone's going to die. And you let that anxiety be there. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but that's what we're doing in this. We feel the discomfort and we let it slide away. Now, all right. Let it slide away naturally, excuse me. So, I also want to address this thing you had in here. You say, you kind of say, it's you You like that the fact that that thought is there because it confirms, let's see here. <laughs> Oh, I, uh, I try to treat these uh, uh, because I fear that if I don't treat these thoughts. All right, what I kind of heard in that, maybe you weren't fully saying this, but some people will have this this positive affection towards this thought because it kind of says, you know what, I'm staying on top of my game. It means it's going to confirm that I'm still this good person. The problem with this mindset and the problem with holding on to that is it kind of confirms and says my rumination and my compulsion Is worthwhile because it's gonna it's gonna keep me safe. It illustrates that I'm still a good person because I'm wrestling with these important questions. I I promise that as you try to engage with exposures, your anxiety is gonna start to come down. You're gonna feel a lot better. Once you start saying I'm murdering all these people, you're gonna feel a lot more comfortable with this, and you're probably not gonna have this thought as much. And then you're gonna get this one. Hey. You haven't been thinking about this and wrestling with it. You must actually want other people to die or to suffer. You want to cause harm to other people and withhold good. This is a backdoor spike. This is something that's common for a lot of people in this process. And it's just another game OCD is playing to pull you back into the same argument and say, you should worry about this. See, you are actually this bad person. We can expect it when it shows up. You're going to say, I see you, brain. I see what you're doing. You're not going to catch me this time. You know what? I'm not worrying about it. Maybe it's just reflecting my true, violent, horrible, uh, uh, neglectful, hoarding, murderous self. Good. Well, off to my pumpkin spice latte. Anyways, Rachel, these are... I, I really enjoy this question. I, I'm sorry you're having to struggle through this, but this is the the being stuck between these two sides feels like feel it can feel like you you are kind of screwed, right? But you're ultimately not. We're sitting in this place where acknowledging, and this is the reality. I have actually an article about this. That's it's something like um, it's on Psychology Today. I have a blog up there called Stronger Than Fear. I wanted to call it Feelings Are Stupid, but they didn't they didn't think that was appropriate. I don't know why, but it's called Stronger Than Fear. I have a bunch of articles up there. Uh, one of them is something like um, you know, there's there's never enough for anxiety. There's never enough for for OCD. So even if you're doing something good, you're donating, there's, there's never enough for anxiety. You could give every dollar from your paycheck and it's gonna say, but you still have a bunch of stuff at your house. Maybe you should give that. It's never gonna be enough for anxiety. So we need to decide what's a values-based thing, a values-based number, and you stick with that. And it's gonna feel wrong, but you're still living by a value. If you have that value of giving and donating and charity, if ultimately all of this is based in OCD and you don't really care to, to give to charity, well then don't give, right? You can see how it's kind of a struggle chatting with someone via podcast where you don't have the details um, or it can't really go further into it. So, I hope this was helpful, giving a lot of haphazard information. I didn't really talk about scripting for this. I don't really talk about challenging this with cognitive distortions. Um, perhaps it would be really helpful to talk with a therapist about maybe where this maybe guilt or this, this focus on your responsibility comes in. Right, talking about what are the what's the bits of evidence in your life? What's the evidence that OCD is gathering? Kind of thinking about from an ICBT perspective, what are the thoughts and fears that are it, it it's accumulating to say you are responsible and that you have this power and to see if you can break some of that down that could also be helpful, but. I will leave it there for the time being. So, uh, so to Rachel and to Lexi, thank you so much for sending in these questions Um, to everybody else out there. uh, And I'll just slide in the, the uh, ending music right here. So if you have a question for the podcast, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, click on the submit a question link. You send me a question again, going over to fearcastpodcast over at um, Instagram. That's a way to do it as well. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. Um, Uh, Please remember that the Fearcast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and click on the Find Help link. There's going to be some information up there for you to kind of point you in the right direction. So, all right, everybody, until uh, next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.